All right, welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. We're deep into the offseason as the Jaguars are getting into their OTA area of, of things, as they're getting some on-field work. They're starting to get a chance to get along with Doug Peterson. One of the things that uh, a lot of us have been keeping an eye on is obviously this offense because of Trevor Lawrence. And we'll talk a little bit more about Trevor later, but let's start with the guys he's throwing the ball to. Some people have been a little critical of Christian Kirk. Got the big payday in free agency, Justin, but uh, you know, so far through OTAs, I've been a little impressed. He's very smooth. He looks quarterback friendly. He makes doing some of and those difficult it, things. That's that good. Does. You know, and, and we've talked about this numerous times. I feel like I've beaten a dead horse on this, but you know, Christian Kirk is a guy, got a huge deal. Didn't think he was necessarily worth that kind of deal. We felt kind of in unison that the Jaguars receiver room still lacks that alpha wide out, but is Christian Kirk developing into that alpha wideout from what you've seen so far in camp? You know, I don't know if he'll ever be the true alpha, but, you know, I think he's going to be very good. I think it, I can make a solid argument right now that Christian Kirk will probably be the best Jaguars receiver to suit up in, shucks, maybe since Allen Robinson? I mean, I, I think right now he's probably better than what DJ Chark was even in his heyday. Uh, I think he's better than Marvin Jones right now. Um, definitely ba- better than Allen Hearns. I mean, I... The, the last guy that I'd say he'd even compare to would be Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robinson was pretty good while he was here in Jacksonville. Had some injuries, but still talented on the field. Um, if Kirk can stay healthy, I mean, I think he'd be the he'll probably end up being one of the better Jaguar wide receivers to suit up in a long time. I mean, that's even if he just stays at consistently what he did in Arizona. I mean, he's never topped a thousand yards receiving, but he's come close multiple he's, times. He's positioned to do that here if he can just hang on to the ball. I mean, so Trevor, I you know, Trevor put so many passes in his receiver's hands last year and they just could not hold on to it. Um, you know, to me, when I look at that quintessential wide receiver alpha dog, I look at a guy who's maybe 6'2", 6'3", um, has that speed, takes the hit in traffic, can go up and get the ball. They don't have that guy that's proven on that roster right now. So I, you know, and I'm kind of having to to shift what I think that alpha receiver should be just with the Jaguars personnel. There's 13 wideouts on this Jaguar roster right now. How many of those guys are going to be on the roster come cut time, come 53 man? And how do you slot those receivers? And And no question Christian Kirk tops that list right now. Everybody after him, kind of a crapshoot to me. It, it's a little I, bit. I think it's kind of a crapshoot, but it, you know, it's slowly becoming a Christian Kirk believer uh, after what I've heard and seen from uh, from training camp, from OTAs. Um, I think it'll be a true testament, like everybody, uh, to see it when the, the full pads go on and he's running right. plays against the Falcons uh, during uh, preseason and uh, those those pra- joint practices. So I'm looking forward to see that and maybe kind of turn my perception completely from what um, you know, Tyreek Hill, he's not a huge guy uh, at, at receiver. Um, so can Christian Kirk kind of become that Tyreek Hill kind of player where he's truly that alpha on the team? You know about him, doesn't have that size, but he's got the speed, he's got the skills. Um, slowly, slowly starting to turn the wheel on that in my mind. He's very likely going to get the volume to reach those numbers just from a sheer needs perspective. I mean, we talk about this wide receiver room. Uh, there's after Christian Kirk, you start going to the Jones boys. You got Marvin Jones Jr., solid receiver. We'll know he'll probably come relatively close to a thousand yards, probably get you a few touchdowns along the way. But again, not a true number one threat. And then they brought in Zay Jones, who Zay does look he 
almost fits very similarly to that Christian Kirk role. Hasn't put up, you know, really gaudy numbers, but runs good routes, hardworking guy, very quarterback friendly. He's going to get open, show Trevor his numbers, and if Trevor hits him, he's going to make the catch. So I think they, they showed a priority of, okay, we want to get people that when Trevor makes the throw, they're going to make the catch. Because last season we saw a lot of times. So many where, times. You know, over and over it was the same narrative of Trevor avoids the rush, goes over, makes a good throw, puts it in a place where only his guy can get it, and then it hits the ground. His guy doesn't get it. His guy doesn't get it, you know. So we, we saw this narrative over and over, and it seems like this offseason they went and tried to get two guys who both have extremely high catch percentages and have been consistently making those catches over the course of their career so that way they could get a couple of quarterback-friendly receivers right. for Trevor to throw the ball to. Uh, one guy that's going to try and have to carve out a role at, at, after playing a big role the past few years, LaVishka Chenault. Um, you know, LaVishka's definitely fallen down the depth chart. Mm -hmm. He is not in a position where he's guaranteed playing time, maybe not even guaranteed a roster spot. He was talked about in trade rumors earlier this offseason. I had a chance to talk to him after one of the OTA practices. He said that he's been uh, working really hard on his game. He's embracing this competition. Um, but he said that he feels like that he's trying to, this offseason, he finally learned how to take care of his body, be a pro, and he really wants to work on getting some of the explosiveness back into his game. This year I've been working on a lot of, you know, my agility and my, my, first, my first step quickness and stuff like that. Because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I love to lift. Like, I love to lift. So I wanted to, you know, cut that down this offseason and get them moving. Cause I feel like I lost a little bit of that going through my surgeries during COVID year and, and all that. I ain't making no excuses, but it's part of life. So that, that's LaVishka Chanel talking about wanting to really get that speed back, kind of get that explosiveness back. He is a big guy. He talks about want, loving the lift there, and you can see it. When he walks out there, I, and I've said it for the past two years, you, he looks like a guy. He likes he, contact. He looks he, he's like not going to run contact. out of bounds. He does not. I mean, when he walked in as a rookie, he was bigger than Leonard Fournette who's known as a power running back right. in the NFL. So I could understand, you know, okay, well, now he's in the NFL weightlifting program. He starts to put on a little bit of muscle, and he's always, when he gets that ball, you know, he's trucking people. He's not, not, he's not yeah, the guy he's, going around. He's not stepping out of bounds <laughs> at all. So and I think to your point, he's a guy that, okay, we, we've named three receivers right off the bat, your two free agent guys and the guy who led your team in receiving last year, Marvin Jones. Where does Visca fit in? At best, right now, he's that number four receiver. Yeah. So um, you've got to hope he doesn't kind of follow that Marquise Lee path of, uh, you know, a second-round pick who just never fulfills that p potential. Marquise obviously was done uh, injury-wise. Um, Jacksonville made the wrong decision there in letting A-Rob walk and re-signing Marquise Lee. Uh, we saw that situation play out, um, and Jags have not had that guy since A-Rob left town, that burner. So um, where, where, how do you respond if you're LaVisca Chenault? Where do you fit in? Right now, best case scenario, you're, fourth, you're the fourth receiver in that mix, and it depends how, how much they like Laquan Treadwell, where Jamal Agnew slots in this. So I, I think LaVisca's words and what he's tried to do this offseason, he knows it's got to be a make-or-break offseason for him. It definitely is. I mean, he's even back there working out with the returners. He said he's returned one kick in his life. That was in college. Took it back to the 50s, so he's pretty happy with it. But he's only done it once, but it's always been something that he's interested in doing. He thinks he, he if Jamal Agnew can't go, he wants to be able to compete for one of those returner jobs because he knows, you know, He's going to have to compete mm -hmm. to make sure he earns a job on this roster. Um, one of the things that looks like the Jaguars are going to try and do 
is get some impact from other positions that, or some wide receiver impact from some other positions um, because obviously they're a little bit thin. I mean, we like Christian Kirk well enough. We still like Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, but they, they're not – those you can't just rely on those three. You can't line up those three every play and say, "All right, here we go." And so, it, it goes back to again last year when you see receivers struggle with drops. You have injuries here or there. Guys getting nicked up. Who is going to become that? You know that guy who ascends to that position. And they did not have it last year. They don't have the depth this year. That's why Lavisca Chenault, his growth and ascension is just so pivotal to this team. Yeah. I think you know what you're going to get with Christian Kirk if we can kind of use his, the baseline of his. Uh, pre-free agent year with Arizona as kind of like the baseline. I think you know what you're going to uh, – the floor with Ceiling Kirk, uh, Christian Kirk is. Um, I think you hope he ascends that, becomes that 1,000-yard receiver. Mm -hmm. um, I think you know what you're going to get with Marvin Jones. Um, I think Zay Jones, probably a little bit of a wild card. Um, don't, haven't seen his full potential um, with the Raiders at all. So I think uh, he's a little bit of the wild card. But LaVisca Chenault has got to be the guy that takes that next step. He's that second-round receiver. You hope, you just hope this is the year that it clicks for him. Um, you know, hearing his words and that and in uh, that comment from him, you hope that that this is the year where he kind of puts things together, morphs into that guy who can become that battle for that maybe that number three wide receiver position. But I'm just worried about the uh, you, you start dropping passes, you have that confidence shaker like uh, Trevor so often last year. And uh, God forbid you have an injury to to Zay Marvin or uh, Christian Kirk, and uh, you're really sitting in a in a pretty tough position for the Jags. Well, I, I will give Lavisca Chenault credit. During last or this week's OTA that was open, he had the catch of the day. Went up over Greg or Gregory Jr. made a, a phenomenal catch down the field. Would have been a touchdown. Um, so he is at least putting together some of the right things right now. We'll have to wait and see with him, especially once the pads come on, if he can continue to catch those passes and earn the trust back of the, the offense and Doug Peterson and Press Taylor. He is extremely excited for what Press Taylor and Doug Peterson are going to put on the grass. Um, but he's going to have to actually fend off some guys that aren't just wide receivers. I mean, they brought in Evan Ingram this offseason. Ingram going to play some wide receiver reps. I mean, he's a small tight end, but a good-sized wide receiver, has the speed. He's another guy that's battled drops throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, and you saw him the other day in OTAs and, and mentioned him kind of in the mix at that receiver position yeah. for the first time. So we had not seen that uh, previously. Yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see just how they mix him in. But clearly, he came here because he thinks that Doug Peterson's offense is going to allow him to put up some big numbers, which if you look back at Doug Peterson's history, he's always had a wide receiver that was in the top two in receiving on his teams when he's the offense, when he's running the offense. So Career rebirth for Evan Ingram. It I could mean, first be. Round, former first-round pick, so uh, a great – he's on a one-year prove-it deal and – and that's what he's that betting. would be. That he's, would be a perfect, uh, the perfect recipe uh, for him in Jacksonville to kind of take that next step, maybe get that big money contract as a, uh, his third contract in the NFL. Kind of a career reinvention for Evan Ingram. So while Ingram probably play a little bit of out or boundary receiver in the slot, we might see a little bit of Travis Etienne. So last season, obviously, Urban Meyer and company made the the big hoopla because they said they wanted to run Travis Etienne. And they were working him as a slot receiver, and people were like. Are they crazy? What are they doing? This is insane. Uh, they did it anyway. Uh, ETN ended up getting hurt, so we never got to see exactly that idea come to light. But now he's back, and Doug Peterson said that Travis ETN is a running back. 
flat out in the discussion. But so far through OTAs, Travis or ETN has been working a lot with the wide receiver groups, lining up in the slot quite a bit, catching a lot of passes. And in a recent interview, he even said that if he thinks football is a game of matchups, and if he could be a Debo Samuel type player, that would be great for him. So it, definitely something interesting there because Debo is a wide receiver who can play a little bit of running yeah. back. Etn obviously a running back who maybe could play a little bit of wide receiver. So we're still looking like all right, maybe Etn is this offensive weapon that. Urban Meyer, Daryl Bevel and company thought he could be last year, and now Doug Peterson and, and Press Taylor may be seeing him in a similar light now? I see, you know, when I talked to uh, ETN's college coach at Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, last year after the NFL draft, you know, he was a little bit perplexed, I think, with the, uh, the shift immediately to uh, getting, you know, getting him a lot more catches. Um, Dabo said he was going to need quite a bit more work at that, um, at that position of, of being that all-purpose back where you're going to split him out wide and stuff. He was a, he was a home run back at Clemson. He was a running back at Clemson. Um, and Dabo said, point blank, that he needed more time uh, in practice catching passes, lining up out wide to make that transition. Now, has he been able to do that from the mental perspective in the offseason with watching stuff? And no question, it's it's a matchup league. I think Travis Etienne will, will tell you that as well. Any, any coach will tell you that. Uh, but can he do that successfully? Having been out of the year league, I still look at, at Travis Etienne as that number one back. He's that number one running back, I think. Um, and, and spelling with James Robinson, it's a good one-two punch. Uh, it's great to have a back that can catch the ball, a la Debo. Um, I don't know if he's, he's quite there yet. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be quite to that Debo level, but it would be a very good problem for the Jaguars to have if they decide that Etienne can line up in the slot, that he can catch these passes and play a little bit of wide receiver. I mean, you look at guys like an Alvin Kamara, you look at a Debo Samuel, guys that can line up at receiver and play receiver reps, line up at running back and play mm -hmm. running back reps. And then you throw in the mix, okay, and we got James Robinson, who we can line up at running back while ETN's in the slot. All of a sudden, that jet sweep action is, is very deadly because mm -hmm. you say, all right, well, I know if I put the ball in this guy's hands, he's a threat. And if he lines up out wide, he's a threat. Uh, I will say this. he In the few rounds that we've seen him run, they do look crisp. I will also say that compared to last offseason where he was dropping quite a few passes, I have not seen that. He's, there's a lot of hand catches. He's looked pretty good catching the ball. So I'd assume while he was working on rehabbing the foot and maybe couldn't run, he must have been catching, catching a few the passes, ball. Hey, you know? that's good. That's, and, that's what Dabo Sweeney said. He, said he, needed, he needed practice. He needed reps catching the football, worrying about what he's going to do after the catch. You're not doing that at Clemson seven, nine, seven eight, nine times a game. Um, he's running the ball 25 times a game right. and, and catching maybe – uh, you know, two or three targets. Uh, you're not you're not asked to do the same thing. So I think going um, like Travis Etienne did last year, from basically a uh, a full time running back to a guy, uh, you know, technically an OW, the offensive weapon, as they like to call it. I think that was a little presumptuous, maybe a little fast fast forward thinking by Urban Meyer and staff. Maybe ready to make that transition, uh, a la Debo Samuel this year. He may be. It, it kind of looks like he looks a lot cleaner and more refined, more comfortable catching passes now. Um, now, we'll have to wait and see just how Doug Peterson and Press Taylor envision him because they've never had a player that they've used in that manner, at least in their history. That doesn't mean they're not 
uh, willing to do that when they have a, that sort of threat because being able to put Etienne in the slot all of a sudden that alleviates a little bit of pressure off that wide receiver room. Uh, that opens up a lot of things because now you got him and James Robinson on the field. You've got motions. The defense is on their toes at that yeah, point. Yeah, you get into those matchup issues where we've seen it time and again. Um, you know, Josh Allen trying to cover a, a tight end. Um, you get these matchups where they're just not a good matchup for that opposing team. And that's what that allows you to do is get that Travis Etienne matchup on a linebacker mm -hmm. with James Robinson still in there to, uh, to carry it or a swing pass to him. So I do think it, it kind of, to me, it, it reminds me what they're going to do with that defensive front with the versatility they've got with Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, uh, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker. I think it, it again, I think the, th the, the theme of this team this year, I think, is going to be versatility, yes. uh, different looks, flexes. I think that's going to be what we're going to see in this Press Taylor, Mike Caldwell, Doug Peterson first year. Versatility is my keyword if we're naming a keyword Versatility. Here in, uh, in June. Yeah, and I, I, look, I'm a fantasy football player uh, by trade, so I, I, I look very closely at some of this stuff. And right now, just looking at it, ETN's going to be a guy I'm targeting. Yeah. Because if he's getting wide receiver reps and running back reps, I like it, especially yeah. if I'm in a PPR. Just watch out for the, for the fantasy football. Uh, hopefully no slaps occur in fantasy <laughs> football like we've uh, heard of this week in Major League Baseball. There's some serious, man, it, man, serious look, fantasy, fantasy football, football players. Serious stuff, man. You know, it, it ends friendships, you yes. know. And, uh, I mean, apparently MLB. I've heard MLB, a lot of MLB players talk about playing and, and taking their leagues very seriously. Didn't know it was quite that serious, wow. but you know. Slap, Jock Peterson, and Pam. <laughs> it was, uh, we learned a lot this past week about uh, Major League Baseball and fantasy football. Hey. These guys take it uh, exceptionally serious, serious enough to get suspended for a game for, Major League for slap, uh, slap <laughs> the outfield. Oh, man. All right, so let's wrap this uh, episode up with a question. Okay, so one of the things that we've talked about um, basically since Trevor Lawrence was drafted is that Trevor is the future of this franchise. Last season, uh, he was okay. I mean, he tried to, he worked with what he had. It didn't go well. A lot of us have t basically said, you know, blame Urban Meyer, wash the rookie year off. So now Doug Peterson, Press Taylor come in. This is Trevor's second year. How much pressure is really on Trevor Lawrence to have a good season? Because if he has another year like last season, do the whispers start coming that, Maybe he's not the Jaguars guy. I mean, if the Jaguars are picking in the top five again, are they thinking, well, maybe we need to look somewhere else at quarterback because, well, Trevor's had a couple of rough years. We're not sure. I don't think I don't think they're unless Trevor has a massive injury setback, something like that. He's the guy they drafted to be the franchise quarterback. I think you can write off last year. So dysfunctional, uh, so many issues. I, I, I said this on Twitter after the last regular season game last year and got crucified, but a lot of fans were mentioning, you can make the reference of local fans or fans on social media, were saying Trevor Lawrence was a bust because at times he looked very shaky. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that was due to uh, factors outside of his control and coaching staff, so many things going against Trevor. And this was not a crescendo of, of people saying Trevor's terrible and overrated and um, complete bust. It wasn't fever pitch like that. Mm -hmm. But there were a cascade of those people calling for uh, him being a bust. A, a, a first round flop, whatever you want to say, I think that was totally unfair. You could see so many instances last year of Trevor Lawrence looking like a franchise quarterback. And I think a lot of the issues go back to something we touched on early on in the podcast. He had no help at receiver. He had so many drops. He would make a great play, as you mentioned. He'd escape a, a rush, turn around, and throw a ball 
where only his receiver could get it, and his receiver dropped it. So I think there were so many things against Trevor last year that this is going to be more like his quote-unquote rookie year in the NFL. You've got a competent coaching staff. You've got playmakers around him that didn't exist last year. So I, I don't think there's, barring a catastrophic injury, I don't think there's any way Jacksonville gives up on Trevor before that fifth-year option. I just don't see it. No, I don't think they're going to be in a place to give up on him, but I do think there is some pressure on Trevor to need to perform. If Trevor goes out there after all of the quarterback-friendly things that they've done, they brought in a, you know, a former quarterback as your head coach, uh, a new offensive coordinator who knows how to run a quarterback-friendly offense. You brought in a former head coach to be your quarterback coach and Mike McCoy. They've spent a bunch of money to bring Christian Kirk here. They spent a, a, solid, a significant amount of money to bring Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, add Brandon Sheriff to the offensive line. They've made investments to try and help this guy. If he does not have a good year, I don't think they just say, eh, we're done. But it wouldn't surprise me if next offseason they try and kick the tires on some veteran quarterback to bring in and either press him or at least have a more competent backup. I could see them bringing um, in a, a veteran guy. Yeah, I mean, a la, I know Ryan Fitzpatrick's retired, reti announced his retirement today, but a la Ryan Fitzpatrick to a situation where you say, all right, look, Trevor, you're still our guy, but... If you don't show up, we got this guy, you know, kind and of I, deal. And I could see that. I could see them bringing in that quote-unquote veteran, the, the Tua Fitzpatrick thing um, works. I mean, Marcus Mariota, some kind of guy like that where yeah. you bring in a, a, a veteran presence. Um, C.J. Beathard is not what I would consider a, a veteran presence. No, Doug Peterson there. even said, you know, C.J.'s not a threat to Trevor. Trevor's our guy, and he knows he doesn't have to look over his shoulder at C.J., which is fine, you know, but it's not when you start talking about breeding competition. Like, quarterback's a little bit different where you want to have that significance where you know C.J.'s not plotting to mm -hmm. take your job. But if Trevor does go out and have a rookie year, I do think that they'll start looking and saying, well, we do need to have somebody who – might be at least eyeing that starting job a little bit because if he's not going he at this point he'd be going into year three and if after two rocky years you got to show something in year three because at some point we got to make the decision on this fifth year option which you probably pick up either way because he's the quarterback mm -hmm. but with the way the nfl is going there's a lot of turnover at quarterback every year. Teams aren't waiting as long. They understand that if you don't have the guy at quarterback, the rest of it doesn't matter. I mean, they've turned over the entire starting defense in two seasons. Yeah, if you're but, if I you're mean, Sam Darnold bad, um, you know, two years in a row, I think in, in Jacksonville, then I think you kick the tires on that. I don't think Trevor was Sam Darnold bad no, last year. No, no. But if you come out and you have a nine touchdown, ten touchdown, seventeen pick kind of second season. I think you do question, say, okay, is the, are we not doing enough to push this guy? Have we just ceded the job to him? He's been the starter ever since he set foot in here, basically ever since he was drafted. You knew he was going to be starter. You don't – he's not had that competition. He we need to push to him. And, and so that maybe may that's what, what you do. And that may be what comes up. Like if this season – last season the big thing was there weren't the explosive plays. He wasn't pushing the ball down the field. And we – a lot of us said, well, the receivers aren't creating that separation down the field. It's them. It's not Trevor. Well, if this season now you see the same thing where he's not pushing the ball down the field and we get a lot of these dink and dunk passes, you start questioning, okay, well, maybe it is Trevor not wanting to push the ball down the field as much. Maybe he does need some competition to look over his shoulder the way he did in college. There was always a five-star at Clemson mm -hmm. waiting behind him that he knew he needed to show up 
to make sure that he still had that job. Um, so maybe that's the situation. I think there is a little bit of pressure on him. Not quite like, you know, okay, well, this is it. But he's not on the bubble yet. But he could see that bubble I in could, the distance. I could, I could see the veteran scenario come in. Heck, even maybe this training camp. I mean, after 53s, uh, a guy like, let's say, a, a Nick Foles type of guy uh, is cut. And he's floating around there. I thought they were going there. to make a play at Nick Foles until... Uh, where did he land? Indianapolis. Yeah. The Colts. Colts signed him. Yeah, I, th so, I thought Doug Peterson and Nick Foles reunion, but Nick Foles probably has a little bit of bad taste about yeah. Jacksonville in his mouth still. Yeah, probably so. Jacksonville probably had the same for, for him. But yeah. I could I could see a uh, a scenario even this year where they, they look. I mean, are you confident Jake Luton? Um, are you no. confident C.J. Beathard could come in and get the job done? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think a, a Nick Foles type of guy, that journeyman quarterback who's been around the league, you know, Mike Glennon type for, for Jacksonville who came in and played uh, admirably in the uh, Jaguars 1-15 season. Um, I think that type of player behind Trevor could do a little bit more than uh, C.J. Beathard, Jake Luton kind of guy back there. So I could see that in terms of competition, in terms of pressing Trevor, a little bit of veteran presence behind him. Probably wouldn't hurt even this year to get that in. I, I just don't think Trevor is in uh, that in that kind of no-man's-land territory of is he wearing out his welcome here in town. I, I think he's got a little bit more grace here, especially with what they went through last year. Oh, he definitely does. I mean, the Urban Meyer drama definitely bought him some time, and it helps that Trevor's just such a likable guy on the outside. I mean, just... Very nice. He, you know what you're going to get from him. Uh, we'll have to see how it all comes together. Uh, that'll do it for another News for Jacks podcast. You can catch us over on newsforjacks.com. We'll see you next time.